I'm going to ask the rest of us to stand one more time, and we're going to read God, uh, God's Word together. As Pastor Dell comes and preaches, uh, you can uh, turn in your Bibles at some point to Acts 3, uh, chapter of verses 1 to 10, and uh, I'm going to read it right now. Let's uh, stand for the reading of God's Word if you are able. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were all filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus Christ heals. Father, I thank you that you, the same God that you are, where you were yesterday, you are today and forever. And so, Father, I pray as Pastor Dell comes and uh, uh, opens God's word, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive your healing today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So if, you, if you're in your Bibles, I hope you are there already. Uh, we are still in our series uh, called Unfinished. And we are in Acts, and we're going to be in chapter 3 today, as, as Pastor Tony just read. And this is uh, an incredible moment. I mean, I think just so often we can read through this, and we're like, oh, yeah, the guy stood up and started walking. You know, was, that's great. But we really need to kind of, again, as I always say, put ourselves in that moment, or what it must have been like for this gentleman. Um, how many have ever been surprised in their life? Anybody? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully a good surprise, right? I'm sure all of us have been surprised in the bad way, too. But I remember one time, it was, it was Christmas. And please remember, I was a kid, so don't, don't hold it against me. But it was Christmas time, and it was the year that the first Nintendo came out. Anybody remember the Nintendo game system? Okay. And I just desperately wanted one of these, these game systems, but it didn't, you know, I knew my parents didn't have a lot of money, and they were, it was one of those... If you remember, it was hard to even get your hands on one. They were being bought up so quick. And so it was Christmas time, and so we're opening our presents, and I came from a home. Maybe some of you can appreciate this. It was, you know, you didn't just tear the paper off because mom was going to use the wrapping paper next year, you know. So we had to carefully, we had to go one at a time, and you're carefully lifting, trying not to rip it, pulling the tape. Did anybody else have this? Please tell me I'm not alone, all right? I'll need more counseling otherwise, but... You know, so I had this carefully, you had to carefully open and, and you open the wrapping and you see what's inside and you get excited, but you got to contain it because otherwise you want to just rip it. And so, you know, I, I got accustomed to that, but we had, you know, spent our whatever, five hours opening, you know, one gift at a time. 
And we got to the end, and, and I, I got done with everything, and, and I didn't get a Nintendo. And I was really, I was pretty bummed, I have to say. And I was sitting there. I don't think I started throwing a fit or anything. I might have because I was a little kid. But um, I was, you know, I was kind of ungrateful for what I got. But still, you know, I was like, man, I'm bummed out. This, this didn't happen. And then my mom told me, she's like, well, why don't you look under the tree in the back? I was like, what? So I got down, and sure enough, there was this present about the size. I had looked at all the boxes. I knew the size of the box the system was coming in. And there it was in the back of the tree, and I did my best to open it very slowly. And sure enough, I got the surprise of a lifetime. I got my first Nintendo, you know, the little plastic gun and Duck Hunt and all those games and Super Mario Brothers. And life was really good for, you know, about the next two days. And um, that's about how much it lasts, then you got to get another game. But yeah, but it was a great surprise, right? I mean, it was something that I had not, I had hoped for, but it, I wasn't fully expecting. And here, you know, in this moment, and again, I'm not going to sit here and try to compare getting a Nintendo for Christmas to a, a man being healed and walking, but it's, it's really something when we are blessed with a surprise that we just weren't expecting. In, in this chapter here and in, in this account here in chapter 3, and, and as we kind of, let's take a, just a quick moment to kind of get a, a big picture, you're going to start to see a pattern here as we go through the book of Acts. And, you know, if you remember, we, we covered uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and, you know, there's always this move of, uh, of God of some kind, of, uh, of the Spirit. And then typically it'll be followed by an explanation, right? So if you remember when the Holy Spirit came, what happened? Peter stood up and he's explaining what was happening to the crowd, right? Because the crowd had formed from that, that experience. And then what we see following that is, is the growth of the church. The church, remember that? When the Holy Spirit came, Peter preached, and 3,000 came to the Lord that day, right? And so this is a, this, this is a pattern we're going to see. And, and so this account, we're not going to get uh, to the, the explanation until next week, but we're going to see a moment here where uh, there's a move of the Spirit. There's a move of God. Something happens, and in this case, a man is healed. Now, the disciples here, as, as we remember the Great Commission, they were supposed to begin in Jerusalem, and that's where their focus is. They're still in Jerusalem, and really it is still just to the Jewish people. And so, you know, as Jews here, we see Peter and John still doing much of what they used to, right? But this is the same way Jesus. Did Jesus oftentimes go to the temple? He did, right? Because he was a Jew, so he would still do that. And so here we see, again, Peter and John going to the temple for prayer. Now, Things during this time were a little backwards because for, for them, they were having church in their homes, right? They were, there, was kind of, there was growth and they were growing, but then they would go to the temple more to look for opportunity to share the good news, to share the gospel, right? And so this is the case as they're, they're walking in to the temple. And so there in, in chapter 3 and verse 1, as, as uh, was read earlier by Pastor Tony, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms for those or of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Now, again, so here we have the afternoon, you know, a few hours later than right now where we're at here in the day. And, you know, during, uh, when they would go to the temple, the rabbis would teach three pillars of the Jewish faith, okay? Three pillars. The first was the Torah. The second was worship. 
But then the third was charity or, or acts of kindness. And this is why you would have just tons of people lined up outside the temple gate is because they knew that the, the Jewish people would, it was part of their faith, it was part of their walk with God, the way they honored God was through giving and being kind to others. And so you can imagine that there was not just this man, but there were probably many others outside the gate. Now, this gate is called beautiful here, right? It's, it's called beautiful. And, you know, upon researching it and studying it a little bit more, um, they actually don't, they can't find which, exactly which gate, because it, it wasn't called beautiful, uh, it was called beautiful back when this was written, but since then it has changed, and so it was hard to narrow it down, but they believe that it's, it's the gate was named Shushan, okay, Shushan. And they, they know where that gate was, and by some of the descriptions and what, what would have been the common place to go in and out, they believe that this gate, Shushan, was the one that at that time was called beautiful. And it was believed to be one of ten gates, all right, to go into the temple, to go into the temple of God to worship. And it was unique, though, unlike the others. Now, imagine, again, during this time, these gates were, many of them were overlaid with gold and silver. They were, they were ornate. They were very beautiful to go through. But this particular gate was very unique in that it was made from an expensive Corinthian bronze, okay? Bronze was not cheap during that time, but the whole gate, and it wasn't overlaid in bronze. It was made out of bronze. Now, as you can imagine, that's pretty, probably pretty weighty, right? They say that probably, they estimate it probably took at least 20 men to barely be able to move and open and close this gate. That's how heavy it was. But there's something very unique about it being in bronze, and, and it's a, there's a unique correlation I want to make here, and I will so in just a moment. But it's, it's good to take note of this because it's going to come into play here in a moment. And so, you know, we look at this scene. We look at the fact that this man that was sitting there begging he, wasn't, he didn't become lame some point in life. He had never walked. It says he was lame from birth. He didn't know what it was to walk. He didn't know what it was uh, to, to, to run or to jump. He just knew from a, a young age that, that he would go out and he would ask for them to give. And it says that he, they laid him there daily at the gate. Imagine every, every day you spend sitting on the ground in a crowd of people with the dust blowing and you're just simply asking and you're crying out. And probably most people would just walk by them and ignore them. Um, you know, or maybe some days they would, they would give something. I don't know if anybody here has ever visited uh, another country or a place where it's common to have people asking for money. I know when I was overseas, we would visit some third world countries. And, you know, you, we would come off and our, our driver or the person that was going to uh, kind of get us around would meet us at the gate. And I'm glad they did because we would just kind of get mobbed you know they they see we stick out obviously especially me and and my legs as you see today they're showing so they're pretty bright but um but we would stand out because you know here we are very light-skinned and so people would come and they would ask for money and I would sit there and I would watch our guide or our driver and he would just kind of shoo the people and he would just walk by or you would see somebody kind of crying out who you could see had a an actual physical ailment and he would just he would just walk by like they were they were nothing because it was every day, it was common place for them, right? You know, we don't experience that, I mean, not very often. Maybe if you go to the city and you see somebody that's homeless or somebody on the street, you'll see some of those things, but it's not really like they come out and, and mob you all the time, like in some of these other countries. And so this would have been kind of the, the case here, and this would have been a very normal scene, but here this man was sitting outside the gate, 
on just another day in his long life, his entire life of sitting there asking to, be, to receive something. And so we see this, and let's continue reading in verse 4 if you have your Bibles there. Here comes Peter and John, right? Many times I'm sure they passed through this gate. Many times they probably passed by this gentleman. Many times maybe they even gave a coin or two to this man. But this time as they, they, they were walking by, in verse 4 it says, And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John. Here's the first thing, right? Something different is happening. Something has changed. Again, I believe that there was probably many people asking for alms at that, that day. But this man, for some reason, I believe it was the Spirit of God, and they knew that God was wanting to do something in this moment. And so here, all of a sudden, their, their gaze, their view stops, and they turn, and they look at this man, particularly. And it goes on and says, and, and Peter says, look at us. And now, I used to think, I used to, when I first read this, I was thinking, like, you know, he's probably like, you know, I thought it was more like, look at us. You know, do you think we have money? Like, look at the way we're dressed. Do you think we've, we're, like, loaded? Why are you asking? But as you study and as you look at this, Peter knows that there's something about to go down, that God is going to do something amazing in this person's life, and he wants his full attention. And so instead of, like, you know, look at us, look, we don't, he's, he's down, he's like, look at us, because he wants the man's attention. There's going to be something beyond uh, gold or silver or what's good, what the man is looking for. Something is about to take place. And notice what it says in verse 5. And he fixed his attention on them. So the man now looks up. Probably again, I can see just this man. Again, he's laying, so he's probably just sitting on the ground. He probably just has some container or something he's holding out. And he probably just looks down. There's no pride in this man. You know, he's lived this way his entire life. He gets passed by day by day, ignored, and yet he's probably just sitting there and just keeps repeating the same line, you know, and a coin here, a coin there. But now in this moment, this man says, look at us, and he looks up, and his eyes meet Peter's. And it says he fixed his attention on them, and notice what he says. It says, expecting to receive something from them. I love that line. Do you know why? Because he expected... A coin. <laughs> he was expecting some kind of money handout, some kind of gift, but he had no idea what was about to happen, the gift he was going to receive, but he was expecting. And so he's looking, and there's this moment between Peter and John and this gentleman sitting on the ground. It does something in our life. You know, there are times, and maybe you have testimonies, maybe you have stories of this, when you maybe were praying for something, and maybe, I would say probably oftentimes, God doesn't typically answer things the way we think he should, does he? But he does it better, right? <laughs> Have you ever been in that place where you've been praying for something, and God comes through, but it's never in the way we think it is? It's typically not in the time that we think it is or the timeline, but it's always good, isn't it? And it's a lot of times, oftentimes, it's much better than we could have asked for. And so here we have this moment in this man. In verses 6 through 7, and here it comes, and this is where we're going to kind of camp for the rest of our time today. And so Peter responds and says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. <laughs> Imagine this guy in that moment sitting there when Peter says this line to him, right? He's like, 
what are you standing here for? Get out of the way so I can get another person, you know? But, I mean, he leads off, I have no silver or gold, but I, what I do have, I give to you. And then he goes on, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Don't you love, I don't, I don't know if you've been around any, any place where people are praying, and we're praying for healing, but I love, because it's just what Jesus did too, right? I mean, he raised people from the dead. He didn't get all worked up. He didn't get, you know, he's just like, you know, Lazarus, come out. <laughs> and he, oh, let me repeat, come out here. I want you out here now. And Lazarus comes out, right? He raises somebody from the dead. And I love what Peter's approach is. He's like, now do this, this, this. No, he didn't do all that. He's just like, stand, get up in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and walk. And it goes on and it says, and he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Now, again, remember this man has spent his entire life sitting in front of this beautiful bronze gate. This massive gate where all these people would pass through to go in to the temple. And this bronze gate also had no silver or gold on it. This bronze gate was simply, it was bronze. It would have been uh, bad. It would have been wrong to cover this beautiful gate of bronze with silver and gold. It just stood on its own as being bronze and called beautiful. Now, I want to read, and this is what I want us to get to. There's a significance to bronze in the tabernacle when it comes to the tabernacle and in the Bible. Okay, and I want to read. Uh, this is from uh, a Jewish website online, and, and this person like unpacks this really well. And so I'm going to read this for you. So it starts with gold and silver, which we've heard, and that's what this man was looking for. But it says, gold is symbolic of God's kingship, glory, and holiness, okay? So if you remember in the temple, right, when they built the temple, all the things inside usually were overlaid with gold or with silver. So gold represents God's kingship, glory, and holiness, and silver represents redemption, Consider lives exchanged for silver coins, for example. The holy place of God's presence is lined and coated and covered with gold. The poles were made of wood but covered in gold and rested in silver strands. It is this like us, wood, coated in gold, which was God's holiness, because we stand in the redemption, the silver, of Yahshua's sacrifice. Certainly there is a clear divide, gold inside, bronze outside. Now here comes the bronze. So what have we got right outside the holy place of the tabernacle? So again, picture in your mind the tabernacle, and and as they would prepare to go into the tabernacle, on the outside you would first would have the altar, which is where the animals were sacrificed to atone for sin, right? And this was made of bronze. Bronze. Bronze is the answer right now. Bronze, okay? So it was made of bronze, and it would, it, that's where they would atone for sin. And then there was this enormous laver, which was, uh, uh, it was, it had water, right? And it was made out of? You guys are catching on. I love it. It's bronze, right? And so this, this big thing was, was made out of bronze, like this bowl-looking thing, and it had water, all right? And this was to cleanse and to purify. And so before a priest could go into the holy place, catch this, into the presence of God, first they needed the blood from the altar, the sacrifice, and then the water to cleanse them. The atonement and cleansing from sin. 
And it was, they were to be covered and clean. They were to be covered. That was the sacrifice. And then they were cleaned through the washing, through the water. The sin and uncleanliness was dealt with at the bronze altar and the bronze laver. All right? Pastor Del, where are you going? Stay with me. So bronze is where God's judgment deals with sin. Only then can a person enter the pure and holy presence of God. Are you with me so far? I haven't brought it to conclusion, but you're tracking so far, right? You got me? All right. Now listen to this. Got to pull my, my thing up here. So in Leviticus, listen to this. Chapter 21, verses 16 through 19, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron, saying, None of your offspring throughout their generations who has a blemish may approach to offer the bread of his God. For no one who has a blemish shall draw near a man blind or lame or one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long or a man who has an injured foot or an injured hand, and it goes on and on. You see, physical deformities and disease were always considered to be connected with sin or curses, right? So some of you might be getting this now. So understand that this man who had sat outside the bronze gate, the gate called beautiful his entire life, had never had the privilege to go into the place where God's presence was. He had never been able to walk in, never able to pass through the bronze gate to experience what it is to worship with his people together in the temple because of his condition. He had only been able to sit on the outside and watch people go in and watch people come out his entire life. All this man would have known to this point is something called the court of Gentiles, which is the outermost kind of ring, if you will. All Jewish people could go past that into a a place of worship. So while Peter had no gold or silver, the gift given this man was like that bronze of the altar that we just heard about. It was the means of atonement and cleansing necessary. So in this moment, it went far beyond as great as an amazing act of that man standing and walking. For that man to stand now and be able to enter in was the gift that went far beyond. This man sat in front of this bronze gate. And throughout the Old Testament, if you remember, the serpent they put around the post, right? And they lifted it up. It was made out of bronze. And throughout the Old Testament, we see bronze being used. And this is where atonement would take place. And so now we read verses 8 through 10 with this in full picture of what bronze signifies. And it says, And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Again, this moment, his leaping and his excitement and his joy. How many of you came across the parking lot leaping? And no? I didn't see anybody. I just wanted to make sure, <laughs> you know? But he had never had that privilege. He had never had that option, that opportunity. And so here he is, you know, and he's entering the temple. I love the fact that he chooses, where does he go? He could have gone the other direction. He might have wanted to run and tell his parents or his friends or the people that, hey, you don't have to carry me anymore. How about that? That's a great thing, right? But where is the first place he runs to? 
into the temple, he runs to God, doesn't he? See, now this once lame man, kept on the outside of the temple, has passed through for the first time this bronze gate to get to the true gold and silver, right? To get to God's holiness and God's redemption. But remember this. Remember how he was healed, right? What did Peter say? He said, rise in what name? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So where was his atonement made? Who made atonement for our sins? Jesus did, right? On the cross. What a beautiful picture in this moment that it's in the name of Jesus. You see, that's the beauty of it, of, of the disciples, and that's the beauty of what we do, is the fact that it's not us that are still working, that are working, but it's that Jesus Christ is still accomplishing his mission, his ministry today. Because everything we do, we do in the name of Jesus Christ. When we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. When we ask God to heal somebody or to touch somebody's life, we pray in the name of Jesus. And most importantly, when somebody comes to salvation, they come through the name and the work of Jesus Christ. And that, church, is worth something worth skipping and jumping and leaping when we cross the street to come to church. As we prepare to, to wrap up here today, I want to read this. Uh, there's an account from Thomas Aquinas. Uh, he's an Italian philosopher and theologian. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. And he accounts this time when he had paid a visit to, to Pope Innocent II. And to set the scene here, he walks into the room, and the, the Pope is sitting there at a desk or whatever, a large table, and there's money, like, stacked everywhere. He's counting all this money that had come in, okay? And, and as he walks in, sitting amidst the currency, and, and, and so you see this picture of the Pope, you know, with these stacks. And the Pope looks at him, and he says this. He says, you see, Thomas, the church can no longer say, silver and gold have I none. To which Thomas responded, and neither can she now say, arise and walk. And these words strike deep, don't they? These words, like when we go look around the world, we look at the church today, and the church really is flourishing in so many ways. But as we've been talking about this entire series about the Holy Spirit and the power of God, that's what we want to see at our heart, right? That's what we want to see in the church today is the power of God, the power of this Holy Spirit at work and moving. You know, we as a church, again, there's nothing wrong with, with having resources. But the question is today is where is it is your reliance landing today? Is it on what you have and your abilities and the size of your bank account or your status or position, or is it still where it's supposed to be? And that's trusting in God alone, trusting in, in the power of God. This is why so often when people, again, they're doing well, so to speak, in life, maybe monetarily, but the reality is, is inside they're dying. 
And when they come to these places of challenge, when they come to these places where they are trying to figure life out, and they come to this place where the diagnosis comes in from the doctor and it's not good. When, they, when something comes in, you know, you've lost everything financially. What happens in those moments? It turns us, right? It turns us. It makes us look to God once again. It makes us look to God and say, Lord, you are my source. You are my supply and my dependence. For only you and you alone can save. So many of us today, we may not physically be lame or physically be sitting outside the gate begging for handouts. But many of us today need to have that same experience with God where we rise and walk, so to speak, in our spirit, where we are brought into the very presence of God through the work of Jesus Christ and the cross. I can't imagine. I really can't. I mean, as, as I sit here and try to comprehend what it must have been like to be lame my entire life and to suddenly be able to walk in a moment like that to be healed and to be invited in but that's still the invitation for all of us today isn't it that's still the invitation that's being being brought to us through Jesus Christ today God is still healing But more importantly than healing these physical bodies, today God is still bringing those people one by one through that gate, through the work of the cross, through Jesus Christ, into his very presence. And we have the Holy Spirit present with us today. And so if you would, if you would where you are, just for a moment, would you just bow your head and let me pray for you today? If you've sat here today, either in person or if you're online, I want to start with, if you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you've not experienced what it is to come into the family of God through the work of the cross, today is your day. Exactly like this man we saw be be lifted from where he was, unable to save himself, but in the name of Jesus was saved and was lifted up. Today, through the work of the cross, through Jesus Christ, by professing him as Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for your sin. On the third day, he was raised from the dead. And that he reigns and rules at the right hand of the Father. And if you're in that place today, I would just ask you to pray this prayer with me. You pray, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. Lord, I acknowledge the fact that I cannot save myself. Lord, I acknowledge, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sin. Lord, that you rose on the third day. And God, I ask you today, Lord Jesus, to come into my life to be Lord and to be Savior. Save me. If you prayed that prayer today, I would just ask that you would let myself or Pastor Tony know. We would love to talk with you, to pray with you, to get some some things into your hands to read. For everyone else who who knows Jesus, still in this moment of prayer, 
Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I, I just lift up my brothers and sisters to you, Lord God. And, and God, just as we saw today, Lord, just this, this picture of this man who was, life was changed in this moment. And God, as we'll see next week or in two weeks, Lord, when we, when we follow up, Lord, with this, the response, Lord, as the people noticed and watched, God, as, as, as Peter will share once again, Lord, the gospel. God, would you use our lives in the same way? That as people look at us and they see us and they see our lives and they, they see the joy, Lord God, that goes beyond just happiness, that we can be joyful, Lord, even in the most difficult of seasons. God, that they would recognize the peace in our lives that we walk with, even through the most horrific storms of life. And God, through those moments and through that witness, Lord God, that they would they would take uh, an observation and that, God, we would be able to share the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. God, stir our hearts today. God, let us know the, the work of your Holy Spirit, the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord God. And God, again, as we see in the physical, Lord, this man's body healed, Lord, let us also remember that today, Lord God, we too can be healed physically, but but even more so, whether it's emotionally, Lord God, as we've heard the stories of this refuge for women, Lord, and this ministry. God, we know that we serve a God who still heals. We serve a God that has the power to change lives. That goes beyond what anyone, any person that's walking on this earth can do, Lord. We know that you are truly the great physician. So, Lord, for those people here in this place, those who are watching online, that have emotional damage, that have physical, Lord, that need physical healing, Lord God, that have, have mental problems, Lord God, just with experiences that were horrific, Lord, from when they were young or in this lifetime. Lord God, we pray that you would truly work as only you can. God, that you would set them free. Just as this man, again, was lame, and then in the next moment, he was leaping and jumping and running for joy. God, would you do that for us today? Would you hear our prayer today, Lord God? God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this word today. And God, we just thank you, Lord, for everything that you're accomplishing, Lord, through the work of your Holy Spirit today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Would you stand?